Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I get to chat with Stephanie Hoffman. Through her career, she has seen everything from clam dredges to filming sets with her work with the AWS and her company turned school metal ground underworks. We talk about her finding the passion for welding, working with her dad, the future of the industry, big news about Jason Becker taking over her school in a new Orlando location, and even dive into using welding work to barter for tattoos. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? Hi, everybody. My name is Stephanie Hoffman. I am the owner of Underground Metalworks and the face of the American Welding Society. Yeah. If you don't know Stephanie, you're probably missing out. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been in this industry quite a long time. So, 20, almost 24 years. So, well, how did you first get into welding? Because that's one thing that I've seen a couple things where you said you got into it, kind of shadowing your dad on job sites, and we're really excited about it. But, like, when did you first start welding? Yeah, I first started welding. I can't tell you what age because now I feel like you're going to do the math. <laughs> I was younger. Um, so I started welding. Yeah, my dad ran a paving company, giant heavy construction company. There's a multi-state company that he ran. He's passed away. But when he was alive, he was, you know, he started out as a heavy equipment operator and just kind of like grew his his own career and his own path and the trade skills. And yeah, he was always enamored by all the welders that worked for him. And I just always took to that. Like I would just see how like stoked he was to see their craftsmanship and like how impressed he was over it because he couldn't do it. And also I just, I was like, oh, you know, being a daddy's girl, I wanted to impress. I wanted to try it out. So let me run some, some stick rod. And I started off hard facing and doing stuff like that, but I did not want to be the the boss's daughter forever. So I started venturing out on my own, but really my interest was sparked by my dad's excitement for it. And he really encouraged that. And I think it was encouraged in like a, oh yeah, you could do anything you want. Not really expecting me to actually yeah. go for it. <laughs> and then when I do go for it, you know, he was like my biggest like cheerleader. 
And my mom was too, kind of like a little bit like off on the side though. Like when I went to get into the vocational program in the county here in high school, like they denied me to get in and my mom had to like threaten legal action and stuff. So I was the first girl to attend and graduate the the program and really did quite well. I left there with several certifications. I even had a 6G aluminum certification before my welding instructor did, which was kind of cool, like to be getting certs (laughs) that he didn't have. But yeah, and then so I kind of got away from being the boss's daughter and I took my very, one of my very first jobs I took was in a shipyard. And I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely hated it. And it was like fixing like clam dredges and stuff. And I only took it because every other job interview I went on, I was basically, I'm 411. I was like 92, 95 pounds when I was younger. And I, I, you know, I filled out a little bit, but yeah. And so it was like unheard of. And you, you think 20 years, 20 years ago, you're thinking like, early 2000s, 2000, you know, time frame. you would think that, no, that shouldn't be like that. But it was, it yeah. truly was. And uh, yeah, there just wasn't a place for, for women just yet. So it took me, I would say about eight years to really kind of establish myself as a professional welder in this trade. Luckily that, that job opportunity turned into another job opportunity. And then, you know, I just kept kind of building my resume, got into doing pressure vessels, hydraulic recapping. So I'm a pipe welder by trade. Then got into doing like custom anodized aluminum boat work, which I would say that was probably some of my biggest payouts was, was doing the anodized work. I could charge a lot of money for that stuff. And got into that, then fell into education when my daughter was small. I was a single mom at the time and just needed to, to kind of settle down a little bit and have something a little bit more stable because being a pipe welder, as a lot of people know, it's just a lot of outages, a lot of running around and traveling. And, you know, I didn't work in like the petrochemical. I was like a pipeline welder or anything like yeah. that. We're talking like pharmaceuticals and chem plants and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I kind of fell into education. I was in the Army for a little while. They wouldn't let me be a welder in the Army. So I had they. Yeah, I scored two. It was right after like 9-11 kind of thing. So mm. it was very needs of the army. So I scored, I scored too high on my ASVAB. So I only got like super like geek squad type jobs. It was like <laughs> Intel analyst, linguist, cryptologist, UAV operator. I kick myself every day for not being a UAV operator. Because in hindsight, I mean, that that back then, that that wasn't real. It was like use. You just kind of like joked around about it, like, oh yeah, remote controls, you know, yeah. <laughs> bombers. And stuff. Yeah, like, you're like, yeah, that's gonna go well, you know. Like, you just didn't really think much of that industry, so I kind of, you know, laughed that one off. My brother, you know, my two older brothers were both in the military, and he said, "Be an intel analyst; it'll be really make killer money in the private sector." So I did that. Got a TSSEI clearance, which is one of the highest echelon security clearances. I got a degree in Homeland Security and Intelligence Operations. Did that. I really just. As soon as I got out of the army, I went right back to welding because I just didn't want to do that. And it's funny because now here I am, you know, 20 something years later, and now I want to get back into doing like an office job. But <laughs> so, yeah, so it was just kind of, a, you know, I, I couldn't get away from welding and I still don't want to get away from welding. And then I got, ended up getting a degree in education, became a welding instructor. Didn't really need the education degree, but figured <laughs> why not hurt to, to <laughs> understand it. So I got that degree and became a welding educator and then went on started my own fabrication company, Underground Metalworks, owned that for the last seven years, and then turned it into a welding school as well. So it's kind of like a dual thing. And I, I didn't change the name of it from 
fabrication company to the welding school out of pure laziness. So. <laughs> hey, if it's not broke, don't fix anything, it. So I'm like, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool name. So. It's it's pretty hard to beat that. Yeah. 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 So that that name came from actually my dad had passed away once I started that company, and that it was kind of a little bit of an homage to him. So the whole like the Reaper logo and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, and it, it's kind of crazy because it kind of came full circle. I don't know, don't know if you're familiar with with my school, the big neon Reaper. And oh, yeah. I've used it a lot in like t-shirts and stuff that one of my best friends who was a tattoo artist, he was the one who created it for me after my dad passed away. And it's funny because then he did that for me and then he passed away. Like Damn. he committed suicide. It's a bummer story. But so like that, that Reaper and the, the, the underground metalworks, it means so much to me in so many different ways you know and it's just so that, that kind of always stuck and I just couldn't shake it so like I, I don't know what what I could have called the school that I felt like I would have like paid respect to the two you know very influential people in my life so that are not here anymore so but yeah and then I you know now I just I work for the American Wilding Society and run the fabrication company we're making trophies for the XFL right now for the oh, rock that's awesome <laughs> which that's is like crazy cool. yeah <laughs> Yeah, we were just, we filmed it twice now for ESPN. We're going to be part of a docuseries for The Rock, who owns the XFL for his football league and making the championship trophies because there's actual Danny Garcia, who is The Rock's ex-wife and manager. She's also a chairwoman of the XFL. So she's the first woman to ever be a chairperson of a sports league, like a football league. So they wanted a woman to, a woman-owned business to create the championship trophy. So it was just awesome. So, you know, here I am just, you know, making trophies for The Rock. That's awesome. Yeah, you were telling me about the XFL and I was just like, I am I have like this like weird obsession with it because I've I've seen like the different versions throughout the years yeah this one i like i like this rendition of the xfl a lot but it's yeah so i think they're going for a very like you know grit type of you know perseverance and you know lots of i, I think hopefully it plays out in the trophies that we've created so we've made where we just wrapped up we made the divisional trophies north and south division trophies and the championship trophies and yeah so that's kind of a that's really awesome so experience. cool that's badass <laughs> so, so. Well, who would have thought, like, you know, just welding where it can take you, right? I just started out as a pipe welder and became an educator and became, you know, work for the AWS. I do a national tour for them and then a Netflix show and making stuff for the rock. So go yeah. figure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's the thing that I love about welding is like you don't know where it's going to take you. Like I got into welding because of like I was a musician and then the world shut down and then like I lost a lot of people during COVID because the musician sector like there's no help for independent contractors you know yeah. and so yeah. like it fueled me to be like i want to be the the best you know the i best. was like yeah. i'm gonna put every single thing i have into welding and then i i had no idea what i was going to do afterwards i was like well i was like everyone says i should go into this sector this sector this sector and that's what this podcast has really been is like chatting with people yeah. in different sectors to see different pathways yeah yeah. My biggest advice is, is don't say no to an opportunity, you know, just, just go for it. Just, you know, you never know where the pathway is going to lead you and always shake people's hands, yeah. you know, meet, extend your hand, say, hello, my name is, and you know, just go from there. Cause the industry is very small and there's so much opportunity. And I think, you know, I, I always think obviously manufacturing is, is exploding for a lot of different reasons in, in the United States. And, you know, 
I, I think people don't give enough credit to like the sales side of, of the welding industry. So even those who are listening are really struggling maybe with process and they just want to be a structural guy or a pipe welder or, you know, work in the petrochemical side of things or aerospace. But like, if you don't have the skill set for it, it doesn't mean that your career in welding is just over. There is so much else that you can, you can get yourself into, you know, NDT and sales and you know, engineering, like there's a lot of other opportunity out there for people that want to be involved in this industry. Well, speaking of things that help people find opportunities, one of my big goals this year is trying to tell people, you know, everything the AWS can do for them. So can you kind of tell everyone your journey with the AWS? Like, how did you first get involved? Tell me that story. I'm really interested to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, as a as a welder in a, in a trade school, you know, we heard AWS because of certifications. That's the only thing because, you know, AWS is the, the world's largest, you know, codes and standards organization. So, you know, everybody knows what D1.1 is, structural steel, right? Mm-hmm. Or D1.5, the bridge code. Same exact test, just can't use any mecha- mechanized tools, right? So I was always terrified when I'd hear those three little letters, AWS, you know, like, oh, God, I got to take a certification for AWS. Oh, my gosh, I'm never going to, you know, it just always terrified me. Then got involved with my section because AWS is broken down. So we have our national headquarters, which, you know, people like myself work for. Then we have executive board members, which are, you know, made up of lots of different people from all different sectors of the industry, mostly predominant people. And then some people who are just very, very knowledgeable on certain, you know, applications and codes and stuff like that. So then we have, so we have our board members, our, so we have our executive board, our committees and code, you know, code committees and standards and all that. And then underneath that, we have, we have district directors who run big, large multi-state districts. That's a volunteered stipend position. So a lot of these people that work outside of headquarters, it's all done on a volunteer basis. So if you work for headquarters like me, we're salaried employees, then everybody else is either doing it for some type of a small monetary stipend or as a volunteer. So it's really a kind of a cool, cool thing. So we have our district directors and underneath our district directors is our section chair. So I'm the incoming section chair of my Philadelphia section. And then the sections are basically smaller subgroups of the larger district that you belong to. There's 21 districts that make up the American Welding Society. And that also goes into Canada as well. So anywho, so I got involved at a section level with the American Welding Society, mostly because my district director saw something in me and just kind of like took me under his wing and had me just participate in stuff. And I participated as a as a student for a while, and then it wasn't until I became an instructor when I became very kind of ingrained in the organization. So I started getting involved at the section level. My district director sent me off to something called the AWS Instructors Institute, and that's where I met some of my dearest friends like Jay Becker. So we went there. It's 21 different instructors from across the country that come together for a week long, all expenses paid in Miami, Florida. So yeah, they you know, wine and dine you. It's a great experience. You get to meet a lot of industry people that work for all the different, you know, Hypertherm, Lincoln, Miller, ESOB, Harris, and just, you know, just people from all different aspects of the industry. They give away a lot of cool prizes. It's just like a great experience. You get to meet all these amazing people from across the country at all different levels of their, of their career, you know? That sounds so awesome. So that was the first, like, yeah, the first taste of something AWS at a headquarters side that I got to experience and went to FabTech, started going to some of the AWS events there. Just, again, started 
putting my hand out there, introducing myself to people, you know, then that person would get excited to hear your story and then introduce you to another person, then another person, then another person. Next year came around, I went to the leadership symposium that the AWS holds down again in Miami, Florida, all expense paid. It's, I forget how many days the leadership symposium, I don't say it's like four days. It's not as long as the Instructors Institute. Again, now you're meeting all these different people who are trying to work up into leadership roles within the American Wilding Society and in their own career. Mm-hmm. So I um, got involved with that, met even more people, and just continued shaking hands. Went to FabTech again, got involved in all the AWS activities there, just let people know, hey, I'm here. My biggest thing with AWS was during all that time, I was very, very vocal about the gap between AWS and actual welders, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and then that, and then the disconnects in education, you know, with the AWS. So you know, how to figure out more collaborative style you know, learning, again, having an education background, I was able to kind of, I guess, you know, elaborate a little bit more and let them know about some of these things that I'm seeing in in my own career. And the biggest was just saying how unapproachable the AWS was seeming to most, you know, just starting out welders, people in their mid-range careers and stuff, and just not knowing where that place was for them. And they they listened to me. That's awesome. Actually <laughs> enough. And then so after leadership symposium, went to FabTech again, continued chirping my, you know, my mission and my thoughts about, you know, how the AWS could be so much better if they would just connect with us. And mm-hmm. how do they go about connecting us? How do they seem approachable and relatable is the biggest thing. And then out of nowhere, I got a random email from somebody, that, John Douglas, who's one of the, the people that work for the foundation, reached out and said, hey, we have a position. We think you'd be grateful. Would you want to come work for us? And that happened to be basically becoming the pseudo face of the American Welding Society. <laughs> I just about fell over. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like, you want me to do what? You know? And so I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like a big deal. You know, that's a, a quite the... The gesture, I guess you would say, right? Very like, oh my gosh, I guess I've done something right. And uh, yeah, so they reached out. I was convinced they had the wrong person, that they were thinking of somebody else in like a picture <laughs> that they were looking at. So like I get, I do the whole interview process, never in person, never like a Zoom meeting like we're on right now, nothing. So I'm like, they might not know how many tattoos I have. Like I do not look AWS. AWS is suit and tie, you know, yeah. like, and I can, I, I rock a suit, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, now I do, you know, but so I was very nervous. And I'm like, I got tattoos on my hands. I like, how am I going to cover this up? They must not remember. So like days before I'm scheduled to go down to Miami for like my in-processing and stuff, I call up the executive director, Monica Farr. And I was like, Monica, you know, I'll, I'll cover up as much as you want me to. I'm to- I totally understand. I respect that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful and, and you know, vulgar looking in the, in the workplace. But, <laughs> you know, I can't cover all of my tattoos. And she goes, no, no, no. We love it. That's why we hired you. We're looking for, that's, a, you are everything we want. Don't worry. I was like, oh my God. So, you know, I still try to, you know, whenever I'm doing business related stuff, I'll still try and wear like, you know, tights. To co- I'm covered head to toe in tattoos. And, um, but I think they everybody's, just like kind of accepted me for who I am. So now I, I'll let them show a little bit more, but I try to always be very respectful when I'm, when I'm in the more corporate side of, of my role with the AWS. And, but they were just, they just welcomed me with open arms and it's been almost five years now that I've worked for them. So it's been an amazing experience. So that's kind of how I got in. And then I just keep continuing. I tour the country. It used to be an 18 week tour. Now it's down to 14 weeks and it's in partnership with Lincoln Electric. And I have a great relationship with them. They're a fantastic company to to be, you know, in, I guess, collaboration with during this tour. And 
Yeah. And I also do some YouTube series for them. I do the Academy welding, like tutorial videos, very quick little three minute videos. And then I also do the Metal America series, which I tour the country, just visiting all different facets of the welding world from shipbuilding to roller coasters to robotics. So this year we've got a couple of hope. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a, it's kind of like the diners, drive-ins and dives. Where yeah, like guy love it. Here he goes to like restaurants and talks with other chefs, you know, where I'm going to, you know, I'm a welder where I'm going and talking with other welders and, and manufacturers and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun doing that. So we got a couple of hopefully some really cool places coming up for this next year, you know, schedule of shoots. So we'll, we'll fingers crossed we get some good, good locations. That's wow. awesome. Well, with the tour yeah. that you do, what, what, what do you do on the stops? Like, are you visiting schools? Are you like, is it like high schools? Are you visiting trade schools? Like, where are you, where are you going on so, these tours? Yeah, actually, we really don't do a lot of school visits. We might do one or two a year. And they're mostly filler events where we have maybe a, a, a weird gap in between two larger scale events. We try to see at least numbers of over 600 students a day, not even just students, but parents as well, career changers. So we're going to large scale events like massive state fairs like Minnesota and Iowa State Fair. And we go to like big, big rodeos like Cheyenne Frontier Days. We go to like this year, we're going to LA Fleet Week. Cool. So we go to things where we're seeing, yeah, the FFA National Conventions. We don't really target too many school like trade schools because those kids already know about welding they don't yeah. need to be encouraged to get into the trades so we're going to places where we have we can see a very large amount of foot traffic on the trailer itself bodies that walk through the trailer not including just people that come up we reach about sixty thousand people a year coming through that trailer so it's a lot <laughs> but we go to yeah I mean, just a single event that we go to might have foot traffic of, you know, several hundred thousand people a day. Like the Minnesota State Fair has a daily attendance rate higher than Disney, you know, Damn. so it's That's a lot of crazy. people. Yeah. So we, we talk, we're not just targeting just, you know, young high school kids. It's also the parents. It's very important to let the parents know, hey, this is a great career pathway for many different reasons. It's not a dead end job. Mm -hmm. And then also we're looking for those career changers, people who are, you know, getting out of the military or stuck in a dead end job and looking for more, more opportunity, you know? So we definitely do a lot of, I guess, promoting the trade is really my, my, my main role. And then also bringing more awareness to the amount of scholarships and opportunities out there through the AWS. The AWS last year gave out over $2.3 million in scholarships to students across the country. And on my tour alone, we give out just under $50,000 a year just on my tour. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty incredible. And then we do over $750,000 in grants to schools looking to expand their welding programs. We also have grant programs that help start welding programs. We do that in, in conjunction with Miller. So Miller basically has, it's called the, I think it's Light a Spark grant is what it's called. And basically it's for, for high school teachers that don't have a welding program in place yet, but have the, you know, they, they want to, they can apply for one of our grants and Miller will send a whole complete starter, like welding, you know, school in a box, basically. <laughs> and it's just, you know, small welders and a little welding table and some hoods and stuff like that. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, we do a lot of really great work. So yeah. I'm very proud of what I do for the American Welding Society. Yeah. As you should be. I mean, that's awesome. That sounds, <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds like a lot of fun too. I mean, it is. It, it's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of work. I think, you know, one of the first years I worked for AWS, it was like, oh gosh, I think upwards of like 26 or 27 weeks, 20 something weeks on the road. Because I live in New Jersey and the office is in Miami. So there's commute right there. Then the tour was 18 weeks. And then you have different events that I'm going to that were outside the tour um, that they asked me to go and attend. And, you know, by the time you add all that up, it's a lot. So now I think I'm pared down between AWS 
filming stuff and then just, you know, sponsor events that I go to and schools that have me come out. I think I'm somewhere down to like 22 weeks a year on the road. So, <laughs> hey, you are you, yeah. like, you're like a touring musician for sure. It's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of time on the road, a lot of time away from family. It's a big sacrifice. And you know how it is if, you, if you've toured before. It's, it's, gets lonely. You yes. know, you're talking to nothing but strangers all day, every day. And every day you have to have a smile on. You're answering the same questions. You're, you have to be just as excited and amped as you were. 15 minutes ago when you just had the same conversation 30 times over, (laughs) you know? So by the end of the day, like I have, I have a team that's with me. I don't drive the trailer. I fly in and out of the events and my team there with the trailer all the time. You know, they drive it, they, you know, they, they set it up. They, they're just so amazing. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, it must be so fun. You get to go out. And I'm like, by the end of the day, we don't want to hang out with each other yeah. anymore. Like, we just want to go back. We get like, you know, we just Uber eat something or go through a drive through and sit in our room. We might go out to dinner, you know, one or two nights per week event and stuff. But like, for the most part, we're just like burnt out. So like, I don't get to see it. I've, I've been to pretty much just coming close to just about every state in the United States with the tour. And I feel like at least some of them all look the same, but (laughs) yeah, um, you know, there's a lot that I don't actually get to see or do because it's work. Like it's legit hard work to do, you know, to do that. So, so it's not all it's cracked up to be, I promise. It's it's a a wonderful (laughs) life, but it's definitely, it definitely has its, you know, it's ups and downs. So. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Upgrade your welding game today with the highest quality leather products from Outlaw Leather USA. Their welding hoods, arm pads, and handles are expertly crafted with premium materials to provide long-lasting durability and stunning visuals. Don't settle for less than the best. Experience unbeatable protection and comfort with Outlaw Leather USA's custom leather products. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Upgrade your welding gear now at Outlaw Leather USA. Well, speaking of like teaching and your work with the AWS, but you open your school. Do you want to, how did that mm-hmm. come about? Like, when did you, what, what was the inspiration for that? Um, the biggest inspiration. So again, it was a, it's a fabrication company. First and foremost, we do a lot of work for restaurants, tattoo shops, hair salons and stuff like that. We do a lot of like ornate work, one-off stuff, but you know, I was just touring and talking to kids and I love teaching so much. My first job as an educator, I cried my first paycheck. Like, what have I done? <laughs> so small. <laughs> so I ended up like I was working, I was working at my buddy's fab shop, bartending, just doing all this extra work, but I didn't want to leave teaching. And then once AWS picked me up and I started touring with them and I just felt like this hole, this like, like something was missing. Like I was a fraud or something because mm-hmm. I wasn't welding anymore. So, cause you know, fabrication company kind of runs, you know, there, I don't do a lot of that work, you know, and now the fabrication company has become basically hundred percent subcontracted. So Damn. everything that my company does, I'm collecting the check, but the fab shop, that I sub out to is doing all the work now, you know, and I guess a beautiful thing, but (laughs) a lot less stress. So, you know, but, but the teaching thing, I just loved it so much and I wanted to go back to it. So I was like, I want to open up a welding school. And then I just was like, how am I going to do this? You know, like, how is it, how is my school going to be different than everybody else's school? Cause I don't want to be a pipe welding school or structural steel school, or just this cookie cutter one size fits all 
training because I've done that working out as a vocational instructor. I see that every day when I travel. You know, these are very, you know, you got on a minimum 20 students, upwards to 60, 70 students in a class and one to three instructors for yeah. those groups. And it's very blanketed instruction. I was like, I'm not about this. So a good friend of mine, he, I will not mention his name. He, uh, you know, he's very, very successful in his branding over the years. He's done amazing things with, you know, TV and, and his skill set. And I was like, yeah, like what, how, you know, I want to open the school, but I don't know how to like, what, what's going to make my difference. Like, I don't know. You got to make it an experience. Mm-hmm. I said, what is that experience going to be? I'm like, how do you make a school an experience? I was like, all right, what, if I could have it anyway, what would it be? I'm like, I think it needs to be a super like inviting rad space. And I think smaller class sizes, but I was like, how am I going to make money doing that? He's like, you'll make money doing that. And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, this is like a, this, this school was never meant to be a full-time for me, at least. This was always going to be just this part-time when I wanted to do it to have fun. Yeah. That was it. And it, I the doors open and it exploded. Damn. Like I went from the first month just thinking I was just going to do it to hiring four other instructors. So, and we would have wait lists for like the night class programs. And we only do five, six is the absolute max we take. And people are flying in from Hawaii, California, Washington State, Texas, Nevada, Tennessee, Florida. The care, I mean, ever like I don't run a week long class that I at least fifty percent of the students are you know they're from six hours or more away. That's so, crazy. I mean, these people were just flooding in, and I was like, "What in the hell is happening?" Here? <laughs> like, what did I do? <laughs> and I, yeah. So now I'm like, "Oh my gosh," you know, people are calling the office, and and you know. My office manager, Audrey, she's calling back. She's like, listen, there's a wait list for this. There's a wait list for that. We need more of these. These people want this. These people are coming from here and they're going to start. And then it turned into companies calling for company corporate trainings and they want to block out privates, you know, big clumps. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what happened? This was just <laughs> supposed to be this like, yeah, when I had time, maybe one or two, two times a month, you know, if, you know, not outside of the tour schedule. And then all of a sudden it turned into, okay, I have to keep feeding this, this fire. Right. And so I'm just like, okay, well, in between events, I'll come home and do, you know, a weekend class or all. So now I don't have any. So like the last year, it's been like maybe a couple, maybe one or two Z days out the whole month that I would have off. And I would go from events to teaching events to teaching. And it was running me ragged. So, so, so yeah, I, mean, I, it was, it just exploded and I'm very, very proud of what I've created. And, and I mean, the school's only been open since last February. So Dang. just over a year. That is crazy. And we had over, yeah, five students in a clip and over 220 something students came through Dang. That is all over the country. Well, and you just announced yeah. some big news recently, too. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that, I actually was, I was thinking of very, very much so. I was like, okay, this is amazing. I need to expand. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to put one in, in Ohio, Texas, and Florida. That was my goal to do in the next two to three years. And, you know, my, my poor husband and my daughter, I have <laughs> almost 15-year-old daughter and a husband, and, you know, they're like, you're going to do what now? Like, and they're just like, you know, and they're very supportive. She's like, whatever you want to do, whatever is happy, whatever makes you happy. But at this, in the same thing, you know, my whole life has always been, you know, work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. In the last two years, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And I would say the last six to seven months have been some of the hardest health months of my, like hardest months of my entire life. And I'm, and here I am still planning to do more. And yeah. my husband's like, yeah, I can, but he's okay. 
that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. But now I'm starting to get really, really sick. Like all my hair is falling out. I'm losing weight. I can't keep food down. Like I'm just a disaster, but I'm still walking into every event with a smile on my face, ready to go. And it's all just becoming this big, like smoke screen. Yeah. So, and I just, then it just like hit me. We were on vacation a couple of like back in March, I think it was. We were on vacation and I was like, this is just so nice to just sit and just enjoy life. And I was like, you know, I love teaching and I love what I've created, but I don't feel like I'm going to be able to continue to give it the attention that it needs. And I want more in my life, you know, like, you know, I'm, my health stuff's finally starting to get like, as I'm starting to like kind of wind down and decompress, like I have more time for me and my family and, and, you know, focusing on what's important, like my health. And I'm feeling amazing now. And I think a lot of the stress has been lifted. Once I approached Jason Becker, I said, you know, I know we've talked about possibly, you know, you opening another location for me. What would you think about just taking it over totally? He said, well, let me call you back. He called me back in like 15 minutes. And he's like, I'll be on a flight next week with my partners and we're going to check it out. And I said, okay. And I couldn't have been happier that he agreed to do that because I know he will do fantastic and amazing things with it. And I trust him and we have the same vision and everything's already ready to go for him. So, so yeah, I'll still go down and teach every once in a while, you know, maybe once, twice a year, I'll try and get down there just to keep doing it. I'm still going to continue to work for the American Welding Society, but my next focus now is going to be tackling more corporate level director, you know, moving up into these, these higher level uh, positions and the business side of the welding industry. So hopefully maybe somebody listening to this that works for, you know, any of those big companies, Lincoln Miller, Aesop, Caterpillar. <laughs> hey, we got a free agent out here, everybody. Yeah. No, so I've already been talking to a couple of different companies in hopes that something will come up. And I would love that they stay and let me, you know, continue to do my work for the American Welding Society. That would be a, a total plus. But if not, you know, it's, you know, I'm not, again, I never say no to an opportunity. So as long as it, it fits and yeah, I just, I think I want to give my efforts to something a little bit more, I don't know less stress not that not that working on the corporate side of the welding industry is less stressful yeah. <laughs> but there's something to be said about owning and running such a successful business on top of two two career pathways so one with the AWS and then one with the school that you have to be what I call on all the time you have to give somebody your best at every single moment that you are working mm -hmm. right so i had to let one go and i, I just I absolutely adore the work that I do for the American Welding Society and what the people that I work with for that organization. So it's going to be very, very hard to get me to leave that one. So I figured, you know what? I know somebody who I trust with every ounce of my being to take this over and do amazing things with it. So I decided, you know, that's what's going to be best for me to, to let that go and, you know, have, because again, this was not, that was not supposed to be my full time yeah. job. <laughs> that was just supposed to be a fun thing. Like as long as the rent was paid and the employees were paid, I was happy. And it just, it did that a bill tenfold. So it was, you know, I, I'm very, very blessed and very thankful for what I was able to create, but it's definitely time to focus on redirecting my career path. So, you know, kind of reinventing myself a little bit. So I'm not going anywhere in the welding industry. That's for sure. You're not, you're not getting rid of me. I just think it's time for me to, to kind of hang up my welding hood because a lot of the, the, you know, how it is occupational hazard, you know, that stuff is definitely not good for somebody who has some of the health conditions that I do. And I've been in this industry for 20 something years now. So it's definitely, you know, time for, for a change. So 
Well, that's good. I mean, you got to take care of yourself. Like that is, that's yeah. one thing that I know. I mean, I, I run myself ragged as well. Like I, I have all kinds of different things going on and my wife's always just like, what are you doing? You know, but yeah. it's yeah. nice. Yeah. And it, it's, it plays a toll on your family life, you mm-hmm. know, and you got to, you know, what's, what's going to be important. It's like when you're home, you want to be home, not somewhere. You're, but my brain's always somewhere else, you yeah. know? So I think it, running a business is hard. So anybody who's looking to run a business, be ready. It's not, it's not a, you know, nine to five clock in clock out type of thing. It's, you know, uh, Oh, you're getting a phone call cause this broke or this is going on or this delivery didn't happen or this person didn't pay or you got to order this. And I mean, it's just, it's 24 hours a day. You know, you're always stressed about this or that somebody getting hurt. And hopefully nobody got hurt yet. Knock on wood. You know, you're just always, always stressed. It's just a lot. So I think alleviating that level of like business ownership stress is very important for me to to say, okay, it's time. It's time to kind of pass the baton. So, yeah. Good luck to Jason. Well, I think, I mean, you're you're giving it over to some really good hands for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do great things with it. So I'm very excited for them. I, I usually try to end each episode with asking you what kind of advice would you give to a new welder or people trying to get to that next step? But it, we've covered a lot of that already, <laughs> you know. Yeah. As- yeah. I th- well, my biggest thing for new welders always is, is know your, your, what goes on like demographically, what is happening in industry and where you're at. Cause I mean, going to school to be a pipeline welder when you live in New Jersey doesn't really make a lot of sense. (laughs) So you might not want to spend $20,000, $30,000 to go to school for an industry if you're planning to live in New Jersey. But if you're willing to travel, absolutely. But, you know, know your industry at where you want to live. Where's your end goal? If you're willing to travel, then, then fine, you know. But if you're looking to get into like aerospace stuff, hey, maybe you want to be in, you know, I don't know, Wisconsin, or maybe you want to be in in Florida, right? Or Texas, where they do a lot of this stuff. But, you know, if you want to go work in manufacturing, probably going to want to live in Michigan or Ohio or, you know, like you want to make sure you know what you're training for, because there's over 123 or something different types of welding processes and applications out there. So, you know, you can go and learn how to stick weld until your eyes bleed, but (laughs) is that going to do you much good in the area that you're living in, right? As As we all know, uh, really, we're not seeing as much of that process in a lot of industry as we used to, you know, so very important to be kind of knowledgeable of what you're getting yourself into. Well, speaking like what are the trends you because you you are super involved with the welding world. What trends over like the past couple of years, like where do you see the most need in the welding industry in the next like 10 years? Well, like a lot of heavy construction work, obviously, and with like the heavy steel work that's been going on, we're just seeing a huge influx for the dual shield wires, metal core, flux core, because of ease of use, for one, ease of uses and, you know, higher deposition rates, lower, you know, waste rates and stuff, whereas stick welding that used to do those things, you know, you have very slow deposition rates, high waste rates, very long cleaning times, and very much lower pass rates on certifications. So I, I think that 
schools are hopefully starting to open their eyes to that shift and maybe getting a lot a, a little bit away from the fact that kids don't need two years or a year of full just stick welding till you know 60 10 till their eyes fall out you know maybe start getting them on some of that dual shield metal core flux core type wires because you're seeing it in a lot of places manufacturing structural steel work even the pipe welding side of things depending on how big of you know i'm not talking a little like three inch radius pipes but you know a little 16 gauge or something yeah. like that we're talking like big, you know, massive things that are being produced. And a lot of stuff, maybe in the field, they're using, you know, stick welding as an end, but, you know, some of these things have to be prefab, prefabbed in a shop and they're, they're not using that, those, you know, so, you know, the, the wire fed applications are definitely huge. Even in the TIG welding side of things, we're seeing wire fed applications becoming pretty popular with, I mean, orbital systems have been around forever, but like these hot wired TIG systems, I do do a lot of work with TipTig and I love their product and they got a great hot wired TIG system and there's a, a market for it, a huge market. I mean, it, we're not going to get into that. That's probably like too, <laughs> too much. You know, why the benefits of that? Because a lot of people just think, oh, it's cheating. It's TIG welding, but it's cheating. But it's different than some of these cold wire fed TIG systems. Very different and very, very amazing reasons why you could use that system. You know, cold wire versus a hot wire TIG system. But yeah, so I, I see a lot more in the wire fed, you know, side of processes that are really becoming quite popular. And then laser welding. I mean, that's that's one that's coming, you know, anything with, with cobots, robots. But those robots and cobots, guess what wire they're running? They're running a wire-fed system, mm-hmm. right? So, and then you got robots that are running laser systems too. So, yeah, that's what I'm seeing out there. That's awesome. So, if you are looking for, <laughs> if you're looking towards the future... Don't, I, that's been my biggest thing. Like everybody always loves to trash MIG welding. I'm like, but it's quick and it's where the industry is going. You know, it's like being yeah, good with the is. MIG. And guys. you got to think, I don't, yeah. And, and these are people that don't own companies that are probably trashing it, right? Yeah. Because time is money and money is time. Okay. As a business owner, yeah, I would love to sit there. And if I could TIG weld everything, you know, and I love stick welding. I started out stick welding. I thought I was going to do that till forever. And, you know, industry's changing and, you know, there's just not the same amount of people doing these jobs anymore. So they needed to get done faster at higher production rates with less people. And the only way to do that is with a wire fed system, you mm-hmm. know, something that's going to be a lot more efficient, efficient. So, you know, unfortunately people can whine and complain all they want, but reality is reality. And and unless they're going to figure out a way to make stick welding more efficient or take what, well, you know, there are coming out with new ways of making TIG welding more efficient. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a TIG welder, tried and true. You know, that was, that's my bread and butter. But I'm definitely seeing a gigantic push towards these wire-fed systems. So well, That's awesome information to know. I mean, because you have a very, very good perspective on where the industry is. So that's, that's awesome yeah. to hear. So as far yeah. as tattoos. Wow. All right. So this is the last thing I wanted to, to touch on today. So when... With your tattoos and everything, what is the craziest tattoo experience you've had? Like, have you ever had... So I'll, I'll give you an example. All right. So I was on tour one time and I played in a, like in a motorcycle, like a, a biker bar. And then they had us come back to their biker club afterwards. And then like three in the morning, a guy walks in with a bag of stuff and he pulls out a gun and he like points it at my friend and he was like, who's getting a tattoo? And I was like, 
like I looked around. I was the only guy that had tattoos like on that tour, surprisingly. And so they all looked at me. I was like, I guess it's me, you know. And so I got like a gnarly (laughs) tattoo. I mean, it came out pretty good, but it was three o'clock in the morning in a dirty bar. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh man. So yeah, I guess I have some stories. So my, my stupid little party trick used to be everyone, I, I play, I am, I wouldn't call myself a musician, but I play lots of really useless instruments. But, <laughs> I'm a kazoo star. I pretty much can play like tin whistles, clarinets, saxophones, flutes, oh, heck yeah. instruments. <laughs> so I can play those. And so anywho, I used to, so I would play one time I was getting, I have two full leg sleeves and I was getting the back of my leg tattooed and my, my friend was like, oh yeah, let's play, let's, can you serenade me? So I was like, all right, he's tattooing the back of my knee, which really sucks. And so I put, I had to put sunglasses on so people can see my eyes in the video. And I played careless whisper as he tattooed the back (laughs) of my kneecap. So that was kind of funny. And then another time I got a shuttlecock. I, yeah, it's a terrible story. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm also really into like, really, I get very competitive about sports. So I'm a huge golfer, but before golf, I used to play badminton, like stupid amount. <laughs> just to make my students play me in badminton all the time in the back of the shop, you know, for like test grades and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> so to show my commitment and my love to badminton, I got a, uh, subtle cock tattooed behind my ear so Ooh. i used to always tell everybody that i had two inch cock behind my ear <laughs> i got that one tattooed on me while i was playing operation iv bad town on the saxophone at a tattoo convention so those are probably the best stories that i have they're but, great yeah, that's kind of it that's that's so funny <laughs> That's I love yeah. that's and the, your story about like being afraid that the AWS was was going to reject you because your tattoos that was pretty funny too. Like yeah 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 I mean I got so I got a lot of tattoos. Everybody asks how many tattoos you have. I say just one. It's, it's just one. Just now. the whole thing. <laughs> it's just the whole thing. Stomach, back, ribs, feet. No, I, well, it's like just really the only thing I don't have is my feet and my 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 throat. I won't do my throat. I promised my yeah. mom my throat. And then the rest of my faith, I won't tattoo. So I won't do that anytime soon. So the only spots that I don't have. Dang. Well, no is... welding tattoos, though. I don't have a single welding tattoo. Really? I, that was yeah, that was like what I was just a bunch of random stuff. I, I've got a bunch of random <laughs> yeah. stuff, too. But those are the best. I have like two giant My Little Pony heads on my stomach because my daughter wanted me to get them. They were just supposed to be small instead of the butterflies I have. Like I put my hands together and it makes a butterfly. That, that was supposed to be two little unicorns for me and my daughter. That's what she picked out to have me get one time because she doesn't like some of the other stuff I have. And then my buddy's like, oh, no, we're going to do these. And he p- pulls them out and they're huge. I'm like, where are those going? He's like, I don't know, your stomach? And I was like, what? <laughs> it was a horrible decision. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. That's, oh, here I am. I got two giant My Little Ponies on my stomach. <laughs> hey, that's that's. It's funny when you can leave it up to the tattoo artist. Like, I have a chess piece, and I never intended on having a chess piece. Like, I I wanted Robert Johnson down at the crossroads because I grew up. My grandparents lived down in Mississippi, and I heard all about the Robert Johnson story. And so I was like, Yeah, I want to get that. And so he drew it out, and I was like, Oh, that looks really great. And I went in to get it, and it was, like, huge. I was like, oh, are you going to shrink yeah. that down? And he was like, no, we're going to do it on your chest. And I was like, and ten what? and a half hours later, <laughs> we have it, you know. But you, you know what's funny? Like, I had most majority of my, ta- my tattoos. I didn't use numbing cream for I just would go in and get them. As I got older and, like, into my 30s and stuff, and I get tattooed, I discovered numbing creams. 
and now I look back, I'm like, man, I was an idiot. I was just <laughs> such a, like a dumbass thinking I'm going to be tough and just tough it out. And it's like, no, just numb that crap. It's so easy. You can sit there all day. And then you don't have to pay to go back again. Another yeah. time you just bang it out in one sitting. <laughs> just knock it out. So anybody wants to get, anybody wants to get tattooed, I highly recommend numbing cream. I did my one whole leg, like all up into my inner thigh and stuff. Oh my God. Like talk about pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, and then I did the next one. And I, I like halfway through my second leg, I was like, Oh, let me just try this. And I tried it. And I literally was like MFing myself the whole, <laughs> the whole next day. I was like, why did I not do that all these other years? And like, and it's always like this pride thing. You got to earn it. It's like, yeah. no, I've earned it. Okay. I've had, <laughs> I've way more than my fair share of hours on my body. I don't need to earn any more respect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> numb me, please. Yeah, numb it up. <laughs> Tattoo removal though. Oh Ooh. my God. There's not enough numbing cream in the world to sit through anymore. I did it. I just, my right sleeve, I, I attempted to have the whole thing removed. I, <laughs> I did three sessions screaming in pain each time. And they were only able to do like very small, like three inch areas. And I never, I, I just did massive cover ups on it. My, my right arm has been covered up three times. Not because like it was like stuff that was like vulgar or offensive. It was just like, I was really stupid mm. when I started getting tattooed. I was like 16. I got my first half sleeve when I was 16. And I just thought I was cool and didn't care who did it or what I was getting. I just wanted a tattoo. Right. And then, so you put all these things that are you're getting from like, just these, like not that great art. You're not doing any research. And back then, like, Instagram and Pinterest and all this stuff where you could find these amazing artists. It wasn't a thing. So it was just whoever was local, right? And whoever was like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and oh my gosh, years later now I'm like, I put all that stuff. Like my best work is like my stomach, my back, both my legs, like stuff that nobody sees Please. because because I thought I needed to put all these crappy tattoos that I was getting in the beginning. I didn't think they were crappy at the time, but now in hindsight, when you look at these amazing tattoo artists out there, now you're like, crap, I'm stuck with just total garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had my arm fixed a couple of times and yeah. So, but no more. I'm done. I'm done, 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 done. I ran out of room. So, <laughs> well, and I, I, I just can't bear it anymore. Yeah. Not <laughs> enough numb and cream. Like the neck, yeah. I, I don't think I could ever do the neck either. Like I just. I couldn't do the neck because I also have three layers of fusion in my neck from being a pipe welder, welding hoods. And then so, but when they cut through the front of your neck, it like cuts through a lot of the nerve endings. So it's very like weirdly sensitive. Like it's numb, but not numb. And I couldn't imagine, like, I don't even want like a shirt collar to like touch my neck most of the time. So like, I can't imagine getting tattooed on my neck now. So my mom's. My mom doesn't have to worry about that anymore. I remember my mom, she goes, I was like more than halfway through my, my body. And she, I, I, I don't know what she said to me one day. She, we were talking about something. She goes, you know, I was gonna, when's enough? Yeah. It's like, when are we going to stop? Like, I, was like, I was like, you're asking me this now? Like not after like the first two or three, like years into this, 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 you know, this, this train ride here. And she's like, yeah, I've been yapping enough. And I'm like, well, I guess. When I'm, you know, and most of my tattoos were all for barter. Like I barely, it was all like, oh, a tattoo shop needed signage or a coffee table or a roll cage in their car or a dining room table made for their house or just random crap that I would just make. And it was, you know, one friend would find out about it, then the next and the next and the next, and then ran out of room on myself. So my husband got his whole back done from barter from me. My sister's been tattooed for barter from me. And hey. <laughs> just started getting it away. Now, now I'm done. I won't, I haven't done barter work in, in a couple of years now. So, but 
Yeah. So if you're if you're if you're well there, hey, uh, you know, yeah. that you have some you have a skill that's you know, my husband's a police officer, so he's like, I have no skills, Stephanie. Like I can't barter anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, get out a free jail card goes really far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so. That's awesome. I mean, this has been, I'm one, I'm very happy that I finally got to have a conversation with you and get to know more about yeah, your I know, story. I know. At, at FabTech, I, I'm so busy at those those dang events all the time. And I, I feel like I always feel bad that people think I'm like being rude or, or anything and stuff. And I'm not. I'm very, oh, very just, much want to talk to everybody. It's just time doesn't always allow it. So oh, I'm yeah. very no. happy that you had me on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. If you have a topic you want me to cover or want to be a guest on the show, let me know by reaching out on the Weld app. You can find me at Bowdidit or just shoot me an email at boww at weld.com. Speaking of the Weld app, if you haven't downloaded it yet, you're missing out on some cool new features we've added, like our job board where you can find work, our marketplace where you can sell your work, or our new calculator that helps you dial in your settings when doing work. Until next week, we'll see you out there.